Welcome to See You Succeed with Viridian. My name is Kristen Kennan and I will be your host. I'm excited to bring you on a journey that will teach you about all things financial services and how Viridian can help you achieve your goals. Welcome back to See You Succeed. April is Financial Literacy Month, and we're excited to have Lakeisha Veasley back with us to talk about an important topic. Keisha, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. So today we're going to look at the term net worth, how it's figured, and some of the variations in different scenarios. So mm-hmm. very basic, let's just start off with what is net worth? So net worth, really, it's a simple calculation of what you own, meaning your assets, minus what you owe which is your liabilities. So if you were to take everything you have on hand that's worth money, like cash and savings and checkings and things like that, and subtract it from the number of things that you have that's considered a debt, like a loan, then once though that difference is how you get your net worth. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of talked about this, but can you break down a little bit like what's considered an asset and what's considered a liability, like specific examples of those? Absolutely. So of course, cold hard cash is an asset. All right. So having cash on hand, having savings accounts, whether it's a money market account or a traditional savings, that would be an asset. Certificates of deposits or what we call CDs would be an asset. Um, Let's say you had, you owned your home and it's paid off, that would be an actual asset. So those are some, you know, typical examples of assets that people have. 401ks, um, those are things that would be considered an asset. For liabilities, those are things in which you actually owe on. So let's say you have a mortgage and you haven't paid off your home, then that would be a liability. Um, If you are paying on your car and your car is not paid off, that car loan would be a liability. Student loans, we hear a lot about student loans, but that would be considered a liability. So those are the things you take in consideration when you're trying to calculate um, what your, your net worth is, what the assets are, cash, um, anything that is you know valuable and money-wise, and then liabilities are the things that are debts, things that you're actually paying out. Great. Thank you so much. So how does net worth work then? So like I said, it's not a magic number. It's really about you tracking and understanding what your cash flow is, understanding what you owe, like meaning you have no debt against it. So like the assets that we listed before and then understanding what debts you have. You know, you could have what we call good debt and bad debt. Having a lot too much credit card debt is, you know, would be considered bad debt. But like student loans, mortgage that is considered good debt, but you still have to consider all of those debts when you're looking at your net worth. So again, it's just making sure that your assets are higher than what your debts are or your liabilities. And so when you're calculating that, you would go and list all the things that you consider assets, list um, what their values are or what you could get money for if you were to sell that today or the day that you're actually trying to um, calculate. And then you would then list your actual debts, what the balances are for those. And then that is how you um, calculate how network works. Another term that we hear a lot of time is net income. So can you talk about the difference between looking at your monthly net income versus your net worth? Absolutely. So when we're talking about um, net income, we're talking about what you bring home after you pay out taxes. So if you look at your pay stub, you know, you have this gross amount of income that you're making, um, whether you're salaried or rate per hour, this is what you make before you pay any of the 
possible taxes, whether state taxes, Medicare taxes, all of that. So your net income is often less than what your gross income is because you have to pay out, you know, any taxes, whether state, federal taxes. And let's say um, you have other things that's coming out your paycheck that comes out before um, your take home pay. So for instance, some like I have signed up for a flex spending plan to offset for taxes. Um, I will actually have some money set aside from my paycheck to pay for medical expenses before it's taxed. And so those are all the things you have to think about um, when you're thinking about your gross income. Your net is what you're bringing home after all of that is taken care of. So that is your cash flow. That is your net income. And it's interesting and it's important to remember, like when you're applying for debt, though, typically lenders will use your gross income. That's why when we talk about affordability, we're talking about net income. When you come home, what is deposited into your check, I mean, into your checking account or your savings account, that is what will determine what is really affordable because you can have gross income and it tells you you can afford more. But if you actually look at what you're bringing home, that's a different amount. So that is your net income, what you bring home after taxes. Now, when we talk about um, net worth, we're talking about your assets. So like if you have a savings account, if you have an annuity, if you have a 401k, these are things that you're not really transacting on. You're not using to pay regular everyday expenses. These are things that are set off that you ideally would build some type of um, increase in value through interest or whatever the case may be. Does that make sense? Pretty simple. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So can someone have a high monthly income but not have high net worth and vice versa? Absolutely. I see it a lot <laughs> um, when I do the financial coaching is um, people come in and because the more income that you have, you tend to, if you're not really watching your cash flow and um, understanding what debts are being paid out, you'll, again, because you're calculating um, debts off gross income, you can end up getting more than what you can actually handle based on what your net income is. So I've seen people who make $100,000, um, but when it's time to actually look at what their cash flow is, they're spending way too much on paying on monthly debts. And then that makes it difficult for them to be able to even get a loan, a mortgage or any of those things. So really when I tell people like to build wealth or to build increase your net worth, you just have to make sure that your assets is greater than your debts. So you don't like, of course, we all want to make more money. But I've seen people who make a lot of money who still has a negative net worth because they've taken on too much debt. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So so is there any sort of data that talks about what a medium or an average net worth amount might be for an average American just to compare? Yes. So according to the U.S. Census Bureau, the average net worth is about a hundred thousand. Um, and so a lot of net, a lot of wealth, or what we consider net worth, comes from things like um, homes, where you build equity in the homes. So as you pay off your mortgage, that builds equity, and once you completely pay it off, then all the value of your home then is something that becomes wealth, and it could be what we call um, liquidated. You can borrow against it. You can um, transfer it over into money. The other thing that you see is with the 104,000 being kind of the average net worth that people have is with their 401ks. So we're always, you know, pushing and telling people, yep, you want to set money aside down aside for your nest egg. So um, 401ks, IPER. So in Iowa, we have the Iowa Public Employees Retirement. So all of these things help to be able to build, build net worth. And that's what you see when you see larger amounts. You have some, and with the 401k, depending on who you're investing with, it could be tied to the, the stock market, but typically it's a really, you know, safe way to invest and some of it be connected to the stock market. You have some people who 
use annuities um, and all these different things. I'm not professing to be a professional when it comes down to investment, but there are different places where you could go where people can help you to be able to kind of come up with the plan. Um, I know Viridian offers that with our financial planning and things like that, where they can kind of tell you how to best utilize your money, use whatever you have coming in to be able to build net worth or what we also call wealth. The other thing that's interesting that I like to kind of think about is when we think about building net worth, it is tied to income, but also how you manage it. So what I found some other statistics that I thought was interesting is there is this kind of wage gap that happens between men and women and that in turn could actually affect their net worth. So it's important that you figure out how to maximize your income to make sure that you are being able to achieve whatever net worth you have, even on limited income. Because like I said, I've seen people who have make dollars $200,000 and they have zero net worth. And then I've seen people who are very fixed income, 40000 or less, and they have a great deal of net worth because they have home ownership, they have their 401k, and they stay away from debt. So we've been talking about net worth of individuals. So is there such thing as net worth for a company? And if so, how is that figured differently? So the formula is used to figure net worth the same way as with the company. Because again, we're looking at what are assets, what are liabilities. So there's no nothing special or different. It's just the only thing that you really see differently is liabilities and assets for a business um, may be a little bit different because of the thing, this thing called depreciation um, that businesses can claim uh, when they're trying to lower their tax liability. But ultimately, they're looking for the normal tangible assets. Um, they're, for example, um, of course, when you have profit. So you have so many things you have to pay out to run your business. But then once you pay out those expenses, then that allows you to be able to have profit. The other like of type of assets they may have is intangible assets like trademarks, um, loyal clientele, trains, employees, all of those could be assets as well. Because although it's not directly a dollar amount, the things that they do or what they produce can create money. That in itself can make it an intangible asset. Um, and like I said, the other thing too is with liabilities for businesses are typically split into two categories. So you have short term, such as invoices, and long term, such as loans. And those things are, are taking consideration when you're trying to calculate a company's net worth. Now, again, I'm not an expert, but for more information regarding the net worth of businesses, we would recommend reaching out to your tax or accounting firm for further um, guidance and information about that. Yeah, great. Thank you, Keisha. You talked a little bit about if someone makes a lot of money, it doesn't mean they have a high net worth. So can someone actually have a negative net worth? Yes. So when you find yourself having more debts than income and assets, you can have a negative net worth. So again, this is why I said it's really important to understand what you could actually afford based on your net income, which we talked about earlier, which is your take home, because that is the income that will affect what you could actually afford to pay around debts. And that's when we do a lot of our financial coaching um, through our community inclusion department. We talk to people and really try and emphasize that you can be a pre-approved for a lot more than what is affordable for you because lenders use gross income. You have to be aware and take full ownership and understand your cash flow based on your net income to be able to make the decision about affordability. Because if you don't, that's how you have people that tend to kind of be what we call upside down in debt. They are just paying just enough to stay afloat. And then that in turn causes them to have a negative net worth. So I, like, I think it's really important that you know what your net worth is and that you're aware of that because your net worth provides like a snapshot of your financial situation at a given point in time. So it can change, but you have to be intentional and be in 
aware to be able to make the right decisions to make that change. Great. Thank you. And kind of a little teaser into our next episode here for Financial Literacy Month, we're going to talk with Alexander Hamilton about overspending. So I think that kind of leads right into her topic. So look for that here in a few weeks. Last question. So why is it important to know what your net worth is? So you can have for one, just for peace of mind, when you talk about net worth, you're talking about key things that affect your finances. You're aware of your income, you're aware of what you have as assets, then you're also aware of your liabilities. And that in itself, I mean, you don't want to just be walking through blindly, hoping and guessing and wishing things are going well in regards to your finances. So um, it helps with peace of mind. Again, like I said, um, have understanding of what your net worth is important because if you want to be able to pass on legacy, if you want to be able to create what we call generational wealth, this is where it starts. Making sure that you are not happy, living beyond your means and not having exceeding debt because you can't pass down debt. You pass down assets. So um, it's really important that you know that, be aware of that, have conversations, whether you're your own personal financial advisor or you're uh, working with someone else to be able to periodically check on that, review your assets, making sure the assets that you're selecting is appreciating, gaining value and not depreciating. Um, also just understanding around liabilities. If I know that what I'm paying out in liabilities is just helping me to just break even each month, then I know not to take on no more debt. I need to then have a plan of making sure that I'm paying down debts, paying down my liabilities so that I could change that number from the negative number to a positive number. The other thing too, thinking about net worth, I know for me, it really motivates me to save. It really motivates me to kind of look at my 401 1k and making sure that I'm maxing out, you know, the match that I could get with my employer or, you know, putting the max amount in to help me to be able to really build up my nest egg, you know, for later on when we retire. Because we don't want to, you know, be working forever and retire. And like two years later, we go ahead and (laughs) we don't get to enjoy it. Right. So that's another thing. And the earlier you start investing and retiring, the better it is because you have a lot more time to kind of be able to play around and figure out how to maximize your money over a longer period of time. And so finally, I do just want to say like looking at your net worth and knowing what it is helps you to be able to prompt to have conversation with your children and with other people that's important in your life so that they will understand too. So they will also make better decisions on how they manage debt. You know, um, the way people see debt uh, is really kind of structured as you're growing up and how um, you're impacted. So if all debt has been is something that is negative and scary to you, then you won't be able to manage it well or with confidence. But if you're taught how to manage debt and how to make it work for you to help you to be able to achieve a certain quality of life, then then that's beneficial with you. And that's essentially what we're talking about is having financial literacy. Understand that all debt is not bad debt. You use, we live in a society where you using debt or credit is just a method of being able to get you to that next level, that it doesn't have to be something that's totally negative. And also when we think about debts, it's tied to credit. And what I've learned and what I tell people when I'm coaching them is credit is a catch-22. You have to use it to get it. And so you have to use it smartly and you have to be comfortable and really understand how that debt shows up and how it affects your cash flow and your net worth so that you're not finding yourself feeling overwhelmed or debt has then become something that is like um, basically smothering you. So it's all about really helping you to be able to plan. You know, when we are looking at our finances, we're thinking about, well, it's not just for the rich. 
it's for if you have income, if you're working, that is something that you can obtain as well and having a positive net worth. You just have to be intentional. You have to be aware and you have to stick to a plan. Like you just can't just kind of whimsically kind of walk through and like, yeah, I hope this happens. But you have to be very intentional. Absolutely. Well, that's a lot of great information, Keisha. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us today? Talking about net worth really got me digging and just kind of really thinking about, you know, when we're talking about net worth, we're really talking about wealth. We're really talking about um, building wealth. And the purpose of that is to pass it on to the next generation. So we're talking about generational wealth. And what I've learned and what I really want to convey um, as you listen to this podcast is that wealth is built in a generation. It doesn't just happen like, yeah, some of us may get lucky and win the lottery. But even then, people who won the lottery, if you don't manage it well and put it in, in vehicles of um, that allows you to be able to let it appreciate you, you won't grow it. And so there has to be intentionality in how you handle the income that you have right now that then you could then pass on. So when we're talking about generational wealth, you know, some of the ways that um, I did some research and I thought it was some good information on how to build it to successfully pass it down to the next generation. I think that it's important that you invest in the stock market and you can either learn how to do that or you can actually meet with the company, someone to help you do that. Because I know, you know, investing in the stock market is not something I would feel comfortable doing, even though I feel like I'm pretty financially savvy. So I would talk to someone, a stock market uh, broker or something like that. Another way to be able to build wealth is to invest in real estate. So starting off just with something as simple as home ownership, instead of renting, decided to buy your home. As you buy that home, you start paying it down, you pay it off. Then the next step you could do then is then actually get into rentals where you take your home and then you may let that become a rental and you buy that next house that you want to live in. And so you kind of create like a modest real estate portfolio doing just kind of one house at a time. You don't have to buy, you know, all these different properties, but that's just, you know, um, a softer, easier way to enter into developing a real estate portfolio. The other thing is maybe creating a business to pass down. So um, if you don't want to solely be an entrepreneur, if you have a side business, some that is profitable, you could actually make sure that you're teaching your children how to run a business, how to be an entrepreneur, how to be able to just manage working maybe a full-time job and having a side business on the side. An interesting statistic that I found was more than 30% of family-owned businesses are estimated to have made its wealth in the second generation. So, you know, that is something that was, I thought was really interesting because like I said, each generation has to help you be able to build wealth. It doesn't just happen where we all have this windfall of money and now we are wealthy because even if you get some money and you don't manage it well, I've seen many of people have come into a windfall of money and they be broke in the next year or two if they understand how to actually save it. The other way that you can help build wealth is making sure you get in life insurance. You know, getting enough in life insurance that alleviates the stress um, that if you were to pass away, your loved ones will be able to maintain. So when you think about approximately how much life insurance you could get, of course, you want to talk to your life insurance, um, a life insurance broker or a life insurance agent. But I would say when you're thinking about it, the policy and the value that you want it to be, make sure it's enough to cover debts paying off your mortgage, replacing your annual income to be able to cover like daily living expenses and things like that, um, paying off medical bills, any taxes or whatever. And then as well as having just a little bit left over that, that the family can then maybe also use it to start some other type of business. So that's just some, some of the ideas that you could do to help build wealth. And it doesn't mean that you have to like have a whole lot of money. It only takes 
a few hundred dollars. It does not have to be thousands. And that to me just really kind of resonated and stayed with me as I was thinking about it because I did everything I was supposed to do. Like, okay, yep, I have a 401k. I got two of them. You know, I'm getting ready to buy a home, all these different things. And for somebody on the outside, it's like, how do I even begin to start? And it's simple. Home ownership is a great way to start. Having life insurance is a great way to start. And then making sure you're maximizing um, your contribution to your 401k and mat- and maxing it out is a great way to start. And then slowly kind of getting into this, the stock market, I think are great ways for you to be able to build wealth and to build wealth in such a way that it can pass down generationally. Awesome. That's a lot of great tidbits of information there, Keisha. I appreciate the extra research that you could share that information with us. And being it's Financial Literacy Month, I just want to make sure to mention that your team has a website with a whole bunch of great information on it. If you go to verdiancu.org backslash education, they can find all sorts of information. They can connect with you, fill out a form if they want to meet with one of you to learn more as we have great individuals throughout the organization that would love to help. And that's what your department truly focuses on. So I know you guys enjoy your jobs and enjoy doing that. So if anyone's interested, please take advantage of that. Right. Absolutely. And we would love to have you. It's absolutely free. And again, like what we do is we try to empower, you know, we can, we work with you so that as you're engaging in whatever plan that you are setting up to build um, your net worth or to build wealth, we want you to feel comfortable, competent, and confident. So yes, we come with us, come to us and ask questions as you need, but we really want to empower you. And so in building net worth and building wealth, you have to be present. You can't just hand it off to someone else to do it. You still have to be very present. So that's what I want you to definitely take away from on this podcast is just saying you're smart enough to be able to do it and you can do it. Great. Thank you so much, Keisha. We always appreciate having you on and listening to all the great insight you have. And I know we have you coming up again later this summer. So we'll chat with you then. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. See You Succeed with Viridian can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. I speak for all of us at Viridian when I say we want to see you succeed. See you next time. expressed on this podcast are not provided as financial advice for the listener's given situation. All attempts are made to present accurate information and details may become outdated as time passes after this podcast is published. Viridian Credit Union, founded in Waterloo, Iowa, is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration and is an equal housing opportunity lender. The music featured in this podcast is Creative Corp, composed by Music Premium. Find it on Envato Market.